0: Well, what my wife and I are going to do is we're going to get a case, whatever the best bourbon is mm-hmm. for the year. And then we're going to just hold it until we start drinking again in four years. Nice. There you go. Why four yeah. years? Jack and I are not drinking until we pay off the mortgage and huh. we put a plan in place to pay off the mortgage in four years.
1: Oh, that's yeah. a good goal. Yeah, that's
0: awesome. Yeah. That's a good
1: goal. Good motivation. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever quit, quit, but definitely cutting back. Like to, uh, today at, at jujitsu, I was like, "Man, I am on the struggle bus. This is terrible. This <laughs> is like, yeah, uh,
2: not working." I have people all the time. Whenever I talk about I, I, how I quit drinking, they're like, "So it's pretty hard, huh? Are you holding up all right?" I'm like, "No, it was easy. I just stopped." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but you struggle through it, right? No, <laughs> no, never once. So, uh, no, not really.
1: No. I mean, it's it's definitely fun to drink, but the next day now, like, getting older, it's... Uh-huh. Uh, oh, yeah. wow. that's, that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem.
2: I'm like, we're gonna know. get lit! Let's get crunk! It's like, no.
0: No. Can we do it before nine? All
2: right. Are we tweeted yet? Working on it. All right. Well, everybody, welcome to Black Hills Information Security, talking about news, which once again, it's another episode without ransomware. If you want to know about ransomware, we've got a webcast dedicated to ransomware. Don't click on links from strangers, have file backups, you know, good EDR. That's, we don't need to talk about that here anymore. For the co-hosts, we've got Banger Crashland, we've got Derek, we've got Ralph and Ryan. Ryan, what's our first, what's our first news story? today. What do you got for us? We've got something in North Korea. Um, Apparently, North Korea hacked in and stole the Pfizer vaccine. At least that's what South Korean security forces are saying. If anybody's kind of a little bit dark about this, North Korea has had a pretty active hacking group for quite some time. And Mm -hmm. their goals and objectives could be something as simple as trying to stop sony from releasing a movie what was the name of that movie was it called the dictator was that it yeah that was it Um, It was the dictator yeah and and it wasn't even that good of a of a movie um it was okay but they wanted (laughs) to shut it down
0: um it got way more publicity due to that (laughs) hack people watched it it was like an act of patriotism to watch that movie so
1: does it say something about me that i never saw the movie but i certainly took a look at the malware (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, it shows you're in the right place, Derek. Oh, uh, you've got a home here. Um, but they've also they've also been very heavily involved in um, crypto mining. So they break into sites and then they basically do cryptocurrency mining. And there's all kinds of various news stories talking about exactly how much crypto mining they do. But in this case, they actually broke in and they stole the Pfizer vaccine. At least once again, that's what South Korea is actually saying. And I don't know, honestly, if this is something that should be a surprise. The one thing that I think is interesting about it is it isn't like, you know, if you get the vaccine from Pfizer for COVID-19, it's not like baking a cake. It's not like you get this recipe and it's like, okay, turn the oven to 350. Mix, you know, one part flour and then, you know, 14 ounces of amino acids with uh, RNA or mRNA from this. It's not that's simple right but it does bring up a bunch of very very interesting questions about the overall security related to corporate level security because you would think that Pfizer has a crack and good security team and you would think that Pfizer would be protecting the covid-19 virus immunization stuff like you would think they would have really really good security and the fact that north korea probably got in is a bit concerning to me and i kind of the question that i want to open up to everybody is do you think that we kind of oversell what we think security is at certain organizations more so than what's the actuality of the, the level of security support structure. These, these companies have,
0: Uh, I I feel like we should maybe rename the security team to the hurdle and slow down molasses team. maybe. (laughs) Like our job here is to try to keep people from getting to the goal, but, It happens every once in a while, but we're pretty good most of the time.
2: Yeah, we stop at 99% of that time. But that 1%, Uh, like the back of the condom, it's just giving you the warning and the percentages. Those matter.
0: That's a really good point because a vaccine, like if it's 90% effective, people are like, all right, let's do it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so first, this isn't surprising to for for anyone right that they would try and break in and steal it and i i think it's sort of like what we were talking about last week where like i I don't know the details i would assume that that is like you know big time company intellectual property and would be protected but i mean i've tested folks you know or organizations in, in the healthcare industry and i've never been terribly impressed so like i it's probably one of those things again where like they probably do have a good security team that goes to you know great links and tries to get things implemented and then you know it just doesn't happen but well, i also don't know like the details of like how they got it like how did they get in but i bet it's the most sophisticated hack ever it definitely Probably. is
2: Probably. <laughs> if you talk to Pfizer, it was zero days and it was just absolutely top shelf stuff. <laughs> it totally wasn't a spearfish and somebody clicked the link or downloaded an Excel spreadsheet with macros. Not that at all, right? even though it's 95 percent of the time.
3: The other thing too is, you know I've done tests for really decent organizations like they had decent response, they had decent security teams and you get caught one way and another way works, right? And I feel like in these engagements, if you go long enough, you can learn enough about what they are good at and what they aren't to really find your way through this environment, right? And some of those things are seem so trivial, and you're like, why do they have this big blind spot? And that's what we get paid for to hopefully find these things for them. but. You know, if you just keep going back and over and over again, repeating this process and, you know, these attackers have plenty of time and they can go back and see that something didn't work or something that does work and build it together where eventually they have a full attack chain that just is kind of flawless, right? And, you know, yeah. that's that can yeah. what happen, right?
1: And, that, that's that then, advanced attacker. And then somebody gets into a data center and embeds a Raspberry Pi with an LTE back channel and you weren't expecting that, right? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely... <laughs> been on you know engagements where like you know i was on a red team once where the company was heavily instrumented for spear phishing spear phishing did not work right but they never heard of password spraying.
2: so well that also gets into the focus i mean if you were trying to like just for example if you were going to try and do your security architecture, and you based it exclusively based on the news. And, you know, I'm pulling news stories, right? You know, a lot of this this news show is kind of ambulance chasing. and It's kind of chorus level, but we're going through, we look at the news stories. If you were a CISO and you were looking at news stories, you would think the most important thing right now would be whatever exploit de jour is out there today, right? You would be talking to your security team about the uh, Silver Sparrow malware, which we're going to talk about here on Mac in just a little bit. You'd be talking about these things that are showing up in the news, but there's, if you go and you look at the top news sources on the internet, they're not talking about spear phishing very much at all. You know, they're, they're not talking about password spraying much at all. That's not interesting news. So you're right. It kind of creates these blinders to where people just kind of focus what's actually showing up in the news. And then it gets reinforced whenever you go to conferences because conference planners are trying to pick topics. And I deal with this all the time. They're like, John, could you please give us a talk on, let me just find something here real quick. Um, Could you give us a talk on, yeah, security (laughs) and blockchain? Yes. Or they would say, well, we'd really like to have a talk on Fin11 and ransomware. And you ask, well, why? And they're like, well, you know, it's, it's currently, you know, the number one news story on ThreatPost. But it's absolutely detached from the reality and kind of the base level of security that's required to protect organizations as well and waiting through logs just said you need to have something with sexy names that's what actually gets yeah. me <laughs> interested yeah, well, i would i
1: would say that if you're a cio and, and you're listening to this and you're managing your security team by in flight magazine you're doing it wrong you need to listen to what your security yeah. folks are saying and if they're saying hey you know you know we really need to change our password policy from an eight character minimum and put two factor everywhere and you're like well i didn't say that I didn't that.
2: It was, <laughs> it didn't say that it didn't say that in that hemisphere's two-page article about computer security on my united flight exactly
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> so and you know I'm being tongue-in-cheek about it but I'm also being serious is that you know I, I mean I think you know it it, it when before I was at Black Hills, it always amazed me. Well, actually, it probably still amazes me. The consultant effect, right? Like you would say as an employee of a company, like we need to do X, Y, Z, and then you know they're like yeah, 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 whatever. And then you hire you know a consultant for forty thousand dollars to come in and say the same thing, and they're like, well, why didn't you ever say that to
2: us? What the heck? <laughs> Meanwhile, there's a security person on their team that's like banging his head against the desk at the you know it's like I've been telling them that for years. <laughs> so it's but that but that happens all the time. And i I don't know if that's necessarily a factor of the hype cycle in in security news like it, it once again, it's boring stories. It's like, hey, patch your crap it's not yeah, it's not a really sexy kind that's of story
1: probably news in general, right like all news now is a headline to get you to click so that you oh, can get ads yeah. targeted at you okay. so people can make money right I mean that's what it all is. I don't think it's any different because of like whatever the topic of the news is completely different subject so,
0: <laughs> why are you telling people about the stuff i do all day
2: <laughs> yeah, Sorry, man. exactly exactly i exactly. didn't it, say it, it was, was
0: wrong i just said that's what's happening
2: all right so that kind of brings us i think you know when we're talking about sexy titles of stories and gets people all excited our next news story is the silver sparrow malware so this particular story is interesting because it's one of the first pieces of malware for mac that's been specifically compiled to run on m1 architectures utilizing javascript uh, for a number of different things, which is kind of interesting in the OS X world. It's command and control is actually using CDN. So it's basically pulling down the uh, the command and control from uh, Amazon S3 bucket and also an Akamai link as well, which is interesting because we always talk about, you know, domain fronting and those types of attacks. We always talk about domain fronting as something that pen testers do that we don't see actual adversaries do use very often we just don't and domain fronting is something that they've been pronouncing it dead for the past three years it's like well you know google's not going to allow it anymore and it still works and amazon's shutting it down and it still works like constantly
1: well Um, uh, so aws i actually don't know about google i've never used those but certainly amazon did technically kill domain fronting what they didn't kill was the ability to use a cloudfront distribution to essentially be a relay right so you still have like a cloudfront link instead of mm-hmm. pretending to be you know another domain like you know newsweek or something right and and that just because they're hosted at aws and you had a host header in there where you could you know essentially point it at newsweek but then it would get routed to your backend server they so said they did change that i don't they didn't change the other and then azure uh, unless something has recently changed, still allows you to domain front as far as yeah, I know.
3: We, you can d- domain front on Azure. You can't domain front on uh, CloudFront. I mean, obviously, the just using a CDN is just great for an attacker, okay? So yeah. nobody's going to, you know, blacklist amazon's s3 bucket or whatever and, and in fact this actually we're sending data through s3 buckets right so this is a little bit different than using a cdn but the same idea right so just using some kind of known service that would be difficult or not it would be difficult or near impossible to actually um what do you call it blacklist right so yeah. to put that black on and, and, and that's really what you're trying to do with any of those things it's just blend in a little bit more and, and make it so that you can't just block the domain name because you bought my company's, you know, doppelganger.com. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost exclusively run C2 through. CDN yeah. If you're not, now, yeah. CDN I mean, is, if you're exposing that IP, you've, you've given, you're, you've given everything away.
1: You yeah, know. but this this malware is one of the most fascinating things that the uh, pieces of malware that I've read about in a while. The M one thing is 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 crazy because there are legit software platforms that haven't migrated yet. Yeah. I mean so,
3: uh, I wanted uh, I, I, mean, I wanted to make one statement about this though. Okay, so I have an M one. There's tons of programs that actually already have been recompiled into uh, ARM. Recompiling to ARM is not incredibly difficult depending on the architecture that you wrote it in, right? So it's not like, you know, a a lot of these programming languages already have a flag that you can just kick it and just be like, all right, I want ARM 64 bit. That works, right? And so that's all they're having to do. So it's not the end of the world to compile to ARM, and a lot of developers are doing it. What is interesting though is that they're targeting a small amount of people because I don't think everyone's got M1 laptop
1: (laughs) now. (laughs) So it did both, right? So, so future proofing, yeah. Had, yeah, well, no, it wasn't just for the M1, from what I read. Like there were essentially two, two yeah. packages, right? But the thing to me that w- I, I still can't wrap my head around. And I was actually talking to this about some of the uh, folks in my master's cohort because anytime anything security, you know, comes up, they're like, "Hey, what do you know about this?" Right and. Uh, so I, the distribution mechanism, where from what I understand, uh, is essentially people searching and looking for software packages and getting the wrong thing. Which you know that's not surprising. Or, but, you know, but it's 30,000 infections so far that way. But I can't. I still can't. And Troy and I were talking to, about this today uh, out on a run. Like I, I, I don't know. Like why would you choose that? Like what is your end result? And the best thing we could come up with was proof concept like i I just don't really you know you take that and then uh, from what i can tell when it runs it just like says hello world and i guess the other one did something like you did it or something
2: well right now it's basically seinfeld malware it's malware that does nothing right (laughs) it just sits and, and it's waiting for it's waiting for more command. It just kind of sits there. And the, that was another thing I wanted to talk about this article is a lot of security researchers are just completely floored by that. They're like, so it's just literally, a, and they don't call it a stager, but that's what we call it. So a dro- in the end, a dropper. a dropper, right? Yeah. So we'll use stagers, which actually get yeah. you access to a system. And then a stage is where you actually load your malware. And that's really common in, in pen testing and in offensive computing. That's, that's what, That's how we do things. Because a stager can be really small, right? And then you can load what you need and only what you need. But it's interesting because the researchers are like, we don't know what the hell this thing does. It just sits there. And they're like, what do you think it does? Like, I don't know. Adware? (laughs) And that's kind of where they're (laughs) at.
0: All right. uh, I think I have an idea. We've talked about this before where product management on criminal syndicates. This feels like one of those like, all right. So and so, you want to do this thing, let, put a proof of concept together, let's see how long yeah. it takes, well let's tested. see how many people. Yeah. yeah. And then we're like, all right, now we see what we need to revamp and what needs it's, to. But to it's
2: happen. like ASOC, the intern, creates Silver Sparrow and puts it yeah. out there. Yeah. and now, So but I mean, now there's the, going to be some hacker that's going to be pissed at me and contact me later and be like, I'm not an intern. It's like, I just <laughs> I was, I was just picking an intern. I didn't say you were an intern. Chill. So. Yeah, but I mean, you got to
1: think though that once you start distributing you know, or distributing, you know, as you know, some software that people download, like you're gonna get busted at some point, right? Like, I mean, just from the number of like, eventually someone's gonna notice something, you're gonna get busted. So, like, yeah, it's still this is a weird
3: one. It's it's fascinating. Uh, I think it's fascinating that it spread so fast. Like, they were able to get people to download this DMG or PKG package, and what what did it say it was gonna do for you, right? Like. <laughs> that's that's my question like what you know because whenever i ins- get a you know a, a dmg i'm like you
2: better install this thing like i, I yeah. want it, to. It, it, yeah. it, it they probably said it sped up video downloads or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, or, guessing, I'm guessing there's an
0: m1 discord like server and someone went in there and said hey this is a new thing that that you definitely want and i was like ah,
1: yeah.
0: your yeah. media player needs an update
2: yeah right. yeah right yeah right. I think they did actually talk about some updates and things like that as well. So, but the other the, the other thing about the story that I think is humorous is what is it that, what do they call the the trusted platform module on the M1 chip? It's like a, a T2 chip or something yeah, weird. It's like the that. Chip is, yeah, the T2 chip. Yeah, yeah. it's the TPM. And it's funny how many this gets back into what we were just talking about. There's security people out there. They're like, "Well, this has a security chip. How is malware getting on this if it has a security chip?" It's like, do you? Do you know what that chip actually does? I mean, you, you, you know that if somebody can actually get on that system and start running PS list and all the, it's different than a rootkit, right? And, you know, and it gets into like the years where I was working with SANS and, and teaching with SANS. We had an entire section on rootkits. And we talked about kernel level and user mode rootkits and all these different levels of which a rootkit can run. And there were people that would come up to me and they're like, dude, why are we talking about this stuff? Like rootkits use all these techniques in conjunction. Why are we trying to break them up into groups? And one of the things I always said is, you know, we have to understand. And I think that this shows when people are talking about this malware, they think that there's this magical chip that's going to stop the malware. <laughs> but if you don't understand the difference between application level backdoors and kernel level backdoors, it, it kind of loses a lot of meaning very quickly as well. So, yeah. I mean, that chip does a lot of things, right? Outside it of... It does, all, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. Right. it does. And it does a lot of things related to security, right? But, <laughs> but
2: I not, feel bad I feel bad for not, the engineers. They're like, what we're doing is we're verifying the integrity. We're verifying signatures. We're doing all of this stuff within the CPU itself. It's coordinating with the operating system because the operating system and the chip are con- like, they're just simpatico and all this <laughs> stuff. And it's like... Well, what if somebody downloads an application DMG and just runs it and gives it root access? And you can just see an engineer's head explode. <laughs> no like, one ever do that. Why would what they do they- that? <laughs>
3: so, Sounds like you have another problem. Okay, I can't fix it. Yeah,
2: the so, but, but uh, so all right. So, so that's that's the that's the story of Sparrow. The last one I think is probably the most interesting for today. I, I love this. Okay. So, anything dealing with the equation group. Or dealing with tailored access operations with the NSA and shadow brokers is just like, this, this excites me. I, I like talking about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so the overall point on this is it appears the Chinese were actually using some of the te- same techniques that um, the NSA was using. And has been using those techniques for much longer than we thought that they were using those techniques. And it, it gets into questions of, did the Chinese actually just steal this from the NSA, i.e. shadow brokers style theft. Did the Chinese develop it on their own? Because if you have a vulnerability, it's very, very common for two people to come to the exact same conclusion once they start looking at that vulnerability, even though I don't think that's what's actually happening here. But what, what is actually going on with the Chinese gaining access to these types of vulnerabilities that the NSA was actually running? Now, the other reason why I wanted to talk about this story that I thought was really, really, really interesting is it deals with event log manipulation. So you have like Dander Spritz, and basically what they can do is they can actually pause the event logging service on a Windows computer system, reach in, and then selectively delete specific event logs, and then restart the event logging service. Which is huge. Uh, it's one of those things that we've been talking about for years because a lot of you know computer forensics investigations, the logs are the truth. And what happens if there's actually a way of actually Modifying event logs. Now, all that being an interesting conversation, it's completely moot because most attackers don't give a rip about event logs because most detections don't come from event logs. Something like 1.5% or less of the, ev- of the infections are detected and attacks are detected through event log analysis. And I'm not talking about EDR event logs, I'm talking about event logs coming off of the endpoint and sys- Sysmon notwithstanding. So it's interesting. The Chinese were actually utilizing these types of techniques. And they had the ability, the same ability the NSA had. And other people like Malware Jake actually do believe, even though there's no specific evidence, it does look like they actually got this code from the NSA, Tailored Access Operations, mainly because a lot of the code is very, very, very similar. So I guess kind of the question to the group as a whole is you have nation state level attackers. Like, once again, should a CISO get wrapped around the axle about what a nation state attacker can do? And then the other thing is, I know that some of you are actually digging around the Shadow Brokers stuff and then also Vault from the CIA. Was there anything in there that really surprised you when you were looking at the capabilities? So go ahead.
0: I got two things. One, did anyone else's microphone cut out when John went to say the three-letter agency earlier?
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: it does. Every time. So the
2: timing was just there.
0: Okay. So. I just want to make sure it wasn't me. And two, one of the things that we never talk about is how, like... In South America, thousands of years ago, pyramids propped up, and then Egypt pyramids, and then other places pyramids. And then we all said aliens. And I don't see why we're not doing the same thing here, where if they have this technology and they have this technology, then why isn't it aliens giving it to both? But keep, go ahead with whatever you all wanted to talk about. So,
2: I'm not saying it's aliens, I,
1: but... But, it's aliens. So. <laughs> so I mean, I, I suppose there's also uh, the, you know a chance that you know that the Chinese developed it and the NSA took it from the Chinese and then started using it. and It got leaked. I mean, who who knows, right? But in, for your question, you know, should a a CISO get wrapped around the axle of what a nation state attacker can do? I mean, by and large, I think attribution doesn't matter for the vast majority of security programs until they reach a maturity level where they're, and I'm going to use a, a, a word, I don't have a drink, right? But uh, until they get to a point where they can actually properly deal with threat intelligence. What I mean by threat intelligence isn't getting a list of stuff and, and, and alerting on that list of stuff but until you reach a maturity level where you're able to detect an alert on a sequence of events that uh, that a specific attacker would do, yeah, no, it doesn't matter. Change your password policy and put two-factor on. Like that, so it, for most folks, it doesn't. It, most organizations, it just doesn't matter, in my
2: opinion. Ralph?
3: Yeah, I mean, it. it doesn't matter who, where it came from, right? But to the point of, where the chinese got this code from maybe maybe they bought it from the same person right i mean i don't know this this yeah. could be a uh, up chain code development yes. some guy you in know.
1: thailand that sells uh you yeah
3: know, <laughs> i mean i don't know i don't know if that's necessarily the case i mean you know for throwing conspiracy theories out like aliens you know i mean why not but it doesn't make uh too bad a sense either um, and, and, and you know like just you know to make one more comment on the you know
1: like you know the attribution and threat intelligence you know thing like I'm not saying it's it's worthless because I definitely have, I have friends and you know that would probably hear me say that and go like eh, no that's <laughs> not true at all I mean I think that you know when you get to a certain point in your you know your maturity level of your information security program and you actually have someone who you're going to hire that is going to be a threat intelligence type person and that's their full-time job. And, you know, I remember seeing things, you know, in, in my past, you know, gig that impressed this shit out of me. Oh, sorry. I shouldn't say that. No, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I, I just, I don't think that attribution really matters for most folks. Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah. I so, mean, unless it's the government. Right. Well, that's
1: different, right? Because yeah. it does matter for the. I mean, and I would say, you know, large government contractors, absolutely, it matters. Huge financial organizations, yeah, absolutely, it matters. Because if you, if you could, you know, if you know what certain groups are going to do, and you can you know, build your detection and prevention around those types of things, and you know that certain types of groups are going to target you, it just it it does give you a better chance of, of winning. But I mean. That's that's a level of uh, that's that's a level of maturity that takes a lot of
0: money and a lot of time, right, and a lot yeah, of people. Sure. I, I wonder if we ever get to the point where, let's say, war is declared due to a cyber act, you know, incident, and they're they're doing the like, here's why we're going to war, and they just start listing off all the things that they can attribute, and it's like this 472 page document of, uh, and then. 14 years ago, they also broke into this. And then (laughs) they also had this. and Like, it's just, they're building this case for, it's it's just a massive case. And I I always feel like if I was a blue teamer or a defender listening to this or even watching the news, you were just like, just, oh, there's so much. There's just (laughs) so much.
2: But but I but I think to that that poor blue teamer that's kind of overwhelmed. A lot of the stuff that was released in Shadow Brokers was already patched. They were there was literally a huge treasure treasure trove of exploits for different routers and edge devices and windows of course. And a lot of those exploits even though they weren't public patches already existed. And it it, it kind of goes back to if you're focusing on the, you know, oh, my God, it's the NSA's level attack tools, you're missing the broader picture. The broader picture is keep your crap patched. Now, there were absolutely some that were released, especially in the area of privilege escalation and modification of um, of event logs and things of that nature. But keep keep focusing on those fundamentals, right? I mean, and that's kind of the goal of the class that I'm, I'm teaching, the intro to security Classes basically. Here's the eleven things. Do these eleven things if it's triage, and you're going to stop a large number of different attackers well,
1: coming into your organization. Yeah. So you know, as someone who used to do forensics, it, it it was terrifying when I found out, and still terrifying that you know event logs could be modified in this way. Because the story was in the past, no, this isn't possible, and then we find out, well, yeah, yeah, it is, right? And and so the the game kind of you know you know changed a, a a little bit. But you know, like I I, I think that you know doing the things like that you learn in your class, right? And and even though like, you know, zero days are are like sexy and people, you know, like SISOs maybe like worry about them, right? That's you have to assume that there's always going to be a zero day and a way for an attacker to get in. And you should just assume that your network is compromised and start, start there, right? Just assume that your internal network is hostile and that you need to figure out where the bad stuff is. And I think that that's the approach that I would recommend taking.
0: So yep. you can go back to that. Our team is 99% effective.
2: Oh, Jason.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's got to be a shirt. That's a shirt. Our, <laughs> That's got to be
0: a shirt. 99% effective.
1: Everybody yeah. would look at that
0: shirt and be like, that's good enough for me.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'd bet on it, right? Like, yeah, right. That- have like one of those meme guys that I don't, I don't know. We got to, that. Yes, we need to make that a shirt. <laughs> like, like a guy in a suit pointing at the camera. Like our team is ninety nine percent effective, and don't be that siso, right? So, yeah.
3: yeah. If somebody comes in, is like, you know what? I can clean up your IT security. I'll be ninety nine percent effective. They'd be like, okay, yeah. I, I mean, that's great numbers, dude. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, but
2: it, it, <laughs> it is. But it's still funny, right? Like, you know, yeah. as a red teamer, you know, the way that we look at that, uh, I remember one of my favorite, like... <laughs> You're telling me my, there's a chance. That's what telling me there's a chance, right? Because that's all we need, right? We just need a chance. I, I remember one of my favorite, like, on-time, like, all-time flame wars was between Dave Attell and Lance Spinster on, like, episode 150 or something of Security Weekly, and Dave Attell was ripping on user awareness training, right? And he was ripping on it because user awareness training is not 100% effective. And Lance is there, right? Like Lance, the user awareness training guy, is like on air. And David Tell is just ripping on him. And uh, David Tell finally starts hounding Lance Spitzner. And he's like, How much does user awareness training cost through SANS? How much does it cost? How much does it cost? And Lance goes, It's less than a Canvas license, and it's a hell of a lot more effective. And it was like, oh. boom, mic drop. But, but the point is, of that entire like, you know, story is there's no security control that you can put in place. That's going to be hundred percent effective, not mm-hmm. one like yeah. endpoint firewall. And you're going to expect, and when you expect all of these things to fail and you start having that overlapping field of visibility, all of a sudden it gets really damn hard for an offensive person. <laughs> if you're just running like silence, carbon black, you know, whatever tool you're running on the endpoint, you can bypass that right? I mean, that's what we do. But if they're running that, and they're not running network level detection, they've got good rules and active directory, maybe they're running uh, honey tokens, user and entity behavioral analytics, that starts to suck, like really bad to try to break into those environments and turning on firewalls.
1: You know, escrowing all of their admin passwords in something like a vault, like Pycotic or something, and they're one-time
3: checkouts. Oh,
1: good lord. Yeah, Yeah. But yeah. I mean, you know, I, I can see where people, you know, would, you know, say bad things about user awareness training. Like, I, you know, it's not right. 100% effective. I, I get that. And, and, and even we've made mistakes as an industry, right? We still make mistakes. Nothing's perfect. But, you know, I think that telling people not to click on links from strangers isn't necessarily the best advice. Like, I, I think, yeah, you, you should definitely be wary of any unsolicited email, but you also have to realize that that unsolicited email might come from someone you know, too, right? So if it's completely yeah. unsolicited, maybe okay. that's the better advice, <laughs> yeah. right? Because, don't
2: click on any links in emails. But so, But you (laughs) can't break the internet
1: either, right? Like, so, you know, there's other strides. You know, we've learned as an
3: industry, but, you know, I've looked at places where I just keep forwarding emails. Is this phishing? It (laughs) it looks (laughs) suspicious. And they're like, no, it's not phishing. I check this. And they're just every time, you know, especially (laughs) if it's something, you know, you just don't want to take
1: my approach and just not read email like all right <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I that, just, that
3: explains
2: that, that explains, explains a lot, lot. That yeah. Explains a lot
0: i do um, got to talk about the strange link from a strange person then then i'm done for today is that uh, my daughter's friend in discord while playing roblox got a link from a stranger who was like do you want this special like thing inside the game and the person's like heck yeah so they clicked on it and it stole his account like it locked him out of his account like all the things happened after that and my daughter who's 15 went into like incident response mode she went into like mitigation she was like trying to triage and figure all this stuff out but they were able to get the account back but both of them learned a lot about password policy they learned a lot about (laughs) incident response they learned a lot about uh, security awareness all in the last 48 hours and then she just made a video on like here's what happened she like gives a breakdown of the timeline of who the person was what the link looked like and all these things and she made a video of it and put it on her YouTube channel for anyone else that might. Mm. Yeah, your, sounds- your
2: daughter, your daughter sounds like a straight shooter with middle management at Bhis. <laughs> I was gonna say, hey John, you're paying attention, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. God. I That's
3: wonder so where proud. she learned all those marketing skills, though. So you know? proud so and proud, good, right and right good, now. good for the community too. Good. No,
2: I like, I like how the end was. She did a video and put it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's 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 smart clever girl clever clever (laughs) so all right so let's wrap it up unless you guys have anything else to say ah
3: well good here
2: all right ryan take us out sir
0: there's a little reverb
2: a little (laughs) I still wonder if Bo wrote that because he's like, all oh, the electronic music sucks to hack to. <laughs> <laughs> Time to get to work.